You're listening to Simpler One Earth Living from Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works with co-hosts Lee Van Ham and Jerry Iverson. The climate emergency has been getting new attention from faith-based and spiritually oriented organizations. As a result, a lot of environmental activism is enriched as spiritual practice. Eco-spirituality and eco-theology are rapidly connecting the language of faith and spirit to science and what's happening in creation. The deep energies of spirituality are rising to face the dark energies of the destruction of life on our planet. And that's the focus of our conversation in this episode of the Simpler One Earth Living podcast. Stay with us to learn about the organization named Green Faith and the special work of Neti Astudillo, a pastor, farmer, and eco-theologian who works from a framework of faith to train groups of activists on specific steps by which they can help save life on our planet and have it be part of their spiritual practices. Greetings, Lee, from Sioux City, Iowa, and Simple Living Works. Greetings to you, Jerry, from San Diego and Jubilee One Earth Economics. So give us a quick reminder, Jerry, of where we are today regarding the ecological perils and responses from spiritual communities. The uh, climate emergency isn't coming. It's now. And it's been with us for some time. Though slow at first, congregations, faith organizations, and faith-based campuses are now hurrying to develop actions that help save life on our planet. We see a growing awareness that creation is under enormous stress, induced by humans. The awareness includes that the huge changes that need to happen have a deadline. 2030, the year that hundreds of international scientists have agreed is the deadline for actions to keep Earth from heating over one and a half degrees above pre-industrial levels. All faith-connected organizations need to lay out boldly that meeting the deadline requires costly discipleship. What we eat, where we bank, what we invest in. All of these are now spiritual practices. None of them is separate from faith. Our guest today understands the scope of what is needed. She'll talk with us about how green faith is engaging the challenge. So do listen today. You'll learn a lot, and we can all commit to do something really meaningful. And please, listeners, promote this important conversation to others. I think maybe it uh, is fun to say, if not, and and helpful, I hope, that we're making this uh, recording on Earth Day 2021, Uh, though, of course, people listening will, Earth Day 2021 will be passed, but hopefully some of the actions we commit to will be very much part of our practice. I want to say that I first met Nettie Astudillo on a farm in northern Illinois. This organic farm has a great story. And it's told in the movie, The Dirt on Farmer John. Nettie and her spouse, Tom Spaulding, started a learning center on that farm. It was uh, aimed to teach all that goes into healthy soil, all that goes into organic growing and into farming without pesticides or chemicals. Well, that learning center has evolved to train new farmers in organic regenerative methods. It uh, is just revolutionary. But our conversation with Nettie today has a little different focus. As an eco-minister and eco-theologian, Nettie directs Green Faith, 
Her, she directs it in Florida. It's in other places, too. She directs it in Florida and in Latin America. Well, be sure you go to the Green Faith website to learn far more about Nettie's accomplishments and hopes. That website states this about their work. It's a helpful way to frame their work. Religious, here it is, religious and spiritual communities everywhere generate a moral awakening to the sacredness of earth and the dignity of all people. I like that sentence a lot. The sacredness of earth, the dignity of all people. Together, we are building resilient, caring communities and economies that meet everyone's needs and protect the planet. The era of conquest, extraction, and exploitation has given way to cooperation and community. The good life is one of connectedness with each other and all of nature. It is a world of flourishing life that replaces despair with joy, scarcity with shared abundance, and privilege with justly distributed power. What a great mission to be part of. So let's go now to our pre-recorded conversation with Nettie Astudil. Well, it's my great privilege today here on the Simpler One Earth Living podcast to, to share some time with Nettie Astudil, who, um, well, we were just reminiscing a bit before we started this interview, and it was 2001 when we last last saw each other. Um, and uh, rather than give much of a long introduction here, Nettie, I'm just going to ask you to start talking um, uh, taking us from that time we met at the Angelic Organics Farm um, to, uh, of course, your background in Venezuela, and then you're working now with Green Faith. I don't know if you can get the whole trajectory here into a, into a little bit of a, a, a response to my question, but, but I'd love it if you'd give it a try anyway. Welcome. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lee, and and greetings to everyone who's listening. Um, It's a blessing to be reunited now and talk about these issues in our hearts and passion. Uh, Yes, so I'm a Venezuelan-American. I've lived in this country now for almost 30 years. Uh, I'm a Presbyterian pastor. And when we last met, my husband and I had uh, moved after I had finished seminary to Northern Illinois to start the Angelic Organics Learning Center. Um, For several years, you know, while being environmentally minded people living in the city, it came a point when we felt that we, if we wanted to live the way we felt our values, ecological values became more and more clear to us, we, um, maybe we needed to leave the city for a while and help start this learning center at what was already an organic farm, a community-supported agriculture farm. Uh, John Peterson, the owner at some point told us, you know what, I can't farm and at the same time educate people. Since you guys are such great volunteers and you come here all the time, why don't you guys help me start a learning center? And so we, we, we said yes to that. We felt that it provided us as a family an opportunity to learn how to live more sustainably. Mm-hmm. I, you know, learning from scratch to how to raise chickens and uh, uh, goats and what to do with the milk and make cheese and, and, and also provide opportunities for other people who, like ourselves, were already approaching the farm to learn about organic farming and sustainable livelihoods, et cetera. So we said, okay, we want this for ourselves as a family and we are happy to create this space for others to also join this, this journey. 
Um, and so we, we moved to the farm. I, as I mentioned, I had uh, uh, just graduated from seminary. I went to seminary also because of an interest in environmental issues and, um, and working with faith communities on these issues. So um, I, um, we started raising our children on the farm and learning from other farmers is and creating programs based on what we started learning and all inviting other local farmers to help uh, help us teach different workshops and using the farm as our as the educational center um, and so we we were there for 20 years and during the time i also i seeking ordination in the presbyterian church i uh, I connected with local congregations. So I was also a pastor for 14 years of a Latino ministry, which was um, supported and funded by the Presbyterian and the Lutheran, uh, the Evangelical Lutheran uh, Church. So it was an ecumenical ministry. And as a pastor for me, it, it, the farm, obviously, which was only 10 miles away from the church itself, uh, gave me an opportunity to stay connected on environmental issues, but also uh, understanding also its connection with uh, even immigration issues, because most of the members mm -hmm. of my congregation were, were immigrants from Mexico, and most of them were also undocumented. And so I, I through the farm opportunities for education, I also saw the justice piece in terms of giving even immigrants, regardless of their uh, legal status, an opportunity to, to love the land they now lived in, to know how to grow food in this new land, you know, based on the different seasons, um, to be connected to the land where they were. So, and it was a blessing for me because then I was able to uh, to connect both ministries, which in a way they also always need to be together, but sometimes we separate them. Mm. You know, the social justice piece from the environmental justice piece mm. or the environmental piece. And mm. so it was, a, it was a good opportunity for me, for me to grow. Um, I, when I arrived to the United States, I was already working on marine conservation efforts in Venezuela. Hmm. Um, and, um, and so I, and I tried to work with the churches at the time there in Venezuela about uh, issues, um, marine issues, but I had no, I was a sociology student and I didn't have all the language to learn how to work with congregations on these issues or people of faith. Um, so when I came to the United States and I went to seminary, I met my husband, we married it, and we were back at the farm. I, I still had the, the feeling that I wanted to contribute to the Latin American religious world. And I needed, I needed as a Latina, I needed a way to be connected to that other world I had just come from. And I was still very much connected with. So um, during my time at the farm and in the Latino ministry, I decided to go back to school and and do a doctor in ministry program because I felt like I needed even more ecotheological resources to work not only with my congregation, but I wanted to offer what I had been learning in the last few years at the farm and in seminary to seminaries in Latin America. And that's what led me uh, to do this DIMIN program on greening the church and uh, create a program on ecotheology. And, and so, um, I also, part of my time, kind of a missionary time, I, or my vacations, I would go to Latin America and teach in intensive courses on eco-theology in several seminaries in Guatemala, in Peru, and Bolivia. I did that mm. in Venezuela, Mexico. Mm. And, um, and out of that experience, uh, that's when Green Faith showed up in, uh, in um, I guess, 
for me is that I heard about Green Faith as a multi-faith environmental organization working with faith communities to engage them in environmental issues. I realized this was a great network to be um, to be related to and connected to and and um, and I first approached it as my own need of being connected with other people like myself doing this type of environmental work from a faith perspective because the farm itself was not necessarily um, connected to any faith tradition, but of course, a lot of the work that is done is, is faithful to our traditions in terms of creation care and, and very, it could be very spiritual for those who become engaged. Um, but uh, so I connected with Green Faith and then um, within a year or so, uh, I was invited to help Green Faith itself to do outreach in Latin America. I already had the relationships that I had created in, in the last few years and before I moved to the US. And so I, I became the Latin American coordinator or outreach coordinator for Green Faith and have been involved now for the last eight years. I, I did that work uh, kind of part-time and on and off. And then in the last three years now, it's my full-time job. Um, after uh, 14 years at the, at the church, being a pastor of this Latino ministry, Parroquia San Jose, it, it became clear that I could not necessarily, I could not do both works at the same time, you know, especially the climate emergency, the climate crisis is demanding a lot mm. of attention. And, and at the same time, working with an immigrant community, all the immigration issues happening in the country also was requiring a lot of attention. And so I had to, I had to choose and, and I realized, okay, Time to dedicate my time to climate justice, environmental justice, uh, of course, bringing all the experience of the last few years with the Latino ministry and into my environmental work. And, um, and so that's how a green faith showed up and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing today. I'll, I'll stop that, there and let, let uh, you ask me another question. <laughs> I, yes, I just want to say that um, what you share just brings, oh, such joy and energy in in me um it, it, it's a it's a powerful story uh life story you're living i i uh, i think you feel that too but i i certainly do in in listening to it so it's such a treat mm -hmm. uh to hear now i i would like to know a little bit more about green faith because i Personally, don't know that much about it, really. I uh, have mm -hmm. been hearing about it, but uh, I think it was started by an Episcopal priest at some point. Uh, I don't know how old it is as a, as a ministry, but now it's expanded uh, significantly. Is it based in, in congregations, or how does it work? Well, that, that is a very good question, because, yes, the um, Green Faith started uh, um, right before the Earth Summit, the United Nations got a summit in Brazil, in, in Rio de Janeiro in 1992. Mm. Uh, out of that environment and all that conversation that was happening at the time, a group of uh, Jewish and Christian, mostly Episcopalian pastors and lay leaders in New Jersey uh, got together and they decided, you know what, we need to create a space for this type of conversation in our con congregations, our tradition. and. Um, and that's that's when Green Faith was formed. It was out of that environment and that all of that that was happening in the 19, early 1990s. Uh, and it was mostly uh, based in, in the New Jersey, New York area. Um, and uh, for 
I think for the first 20 years, Green Faith was, uh, well, so the programs that Green Faith and Creative was supporting congregations to learn how to become green congregations, you know, from, mm. from worship, uh, 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 sermons, uh, education, the use of buildings and grounds or green spaces, mm. um, to also supporting seminaries in the same way, what is being taught, sharing curriculums between seminaries on how to teach ecotheology, um, environmental justice, looking at the, their, you know, their use of their buildings and um, and uh, Green Faith also created a fellowship program which is a leadership training program that lasted a year and a half and had several groups of fellows graduating from this program. Um, and it, there was a lot of uh, just programs, but um, in the last three years now or, or two, uh, from from being an organization that was mostly based in New Jersey in New York, um, a Green Faith, uh, of course, many congregations beyond New Jersey and New York started connecting with Green Faith and participating in these programs, including the fellowship program. Um, but also, the concern when we when you know when Green Faith and we all heard from uh, climate scientists to say that you know we had less than twelve years to stop and reverse climate change before we all inherit an earth that we'd never lived in yet <laughs> uh, with climate uh, issues that will cause the death of millions of people and are, is already causing the death of thousands of people. Um, and uh, that unless we do something to, to stop climate change that, uh, yeah, it, it, we just won't be able to stop um, the climate crisis. And so Korean Faith realized, you know, we've been in connection with so many thousands of people along these 20 years. We, we do programs, we, we, we do courses, we do fellowships, but then we don't stay connected with the folks that the people who have been going through our programs. And we are, we are losing an opportunity to, to build power, to bring people together to affect systemic change. Mm -hmm. We've been working in the personal transformation piece, yeah. in the institutional transformation or religious institutional transformation, but we realized that we also needed to engage Green Faith in the systemic transformation aspect. And so in the last couple of years, Green Faith has also moved into um, equipping people of faith, leaders, lay leaders, not necessarily connecting with congregations, but the hope is that, yes, that we can work with congregations, but if someone is not part of a congregation, because maybe the congregation is not yet catching up with the importance of this issue, or it's just too slow to really catch up with this issue, then we'll still encourage people to, you know what, start start your own groups, your study group, your support group, and, and study, support each other, grow in understanding, and do actions together in your community. Um, at the local level, um, at the uh, the community level, at the national level, participating in whatever actions you can do to move these issues to, at the more of a systemic level as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, we do encourage people as they create what we're calling green faith circles mm -hmm. to go back to, to their churches, congregation, if they have one, to see how they can also affect change at their own institutional level, but but not to be stuck or just stay there because we realize that this is time when we need to see beyond and this is the time when we need to to demand and to ask our 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 uh, political leaders to um uh to create an opportunity to live the sustainable lives we feel like we're called to live because of our faith and, I love and um 
Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So, so that's what's, that's what's happening right now in Griffith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll return momentarily to our conversation. If you're not so sure you can plant or tend any trees, can you consider making a donation to the One Earth Jubilee Tree Fund? In 2021, we will be getting trees in the ground in the San Diego area, as well as two regions in Mexico. This fund also gives you a chance to compensate for the CO2, your travel and energy use, put into the air. The trees you fund will take it out of the air. Either by planting or donating, we encourage action. The crises underway on our planet require us to act differently, to act in cooperation with nature as our ally. You can donate by check, payable to Jubilee Economics Ministries, designate that it's for the tree fund, or online at oneearthjubilee.com slash donations. Now we return to our conversation with Nettie Astudillo. Anyone who's feeling like they're stuck and can't get any movement in whether it's a congregation or some other institution they're part of, uh, to to find that yes. circle of people, which could be two or three other people. But tell us about your yes. circle, because you are, uh, I see, I see by this notion of the green faith circle intrigues me, because of course we have three jubilee circles, uh, two in Mexico and one here in San Diego, where it also has people now <laughs> through Zoom. We, we have people okay. participating who are in Chicago and other places. But yes. um, uh, this notion of the circle trying to, to uh, bring together uh, people of, uh, who yearn deeply to bring mm-hmm. change and can f- better work together to strategize uh, or right. encourage and all of these ways to do it. But so I'd like to hear I, I, part of your work is, is the Green Faith Circle organizer in Florida, I believe. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, when I came to Florida, when we came, my husband and I, and now my son and my mother that were here uh, together uh, through this, going through this pandemic together, um, I, um, the Audubon Society approached Green Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing the need to engage congregations in conservation issues. And through that funding that the Audubon Society provided Green Faith, uh, uh, Green Faith hired organizers in Florida, in Arkansas, in North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Colorado, New Jersey, um, some key areas, uh, well, key political areas as well as uh, uh, vulnerable also to, to climate change to, mm. to help uh, spur this. this um, and I think support people of faith, like you said, that perhaps have this inclination and a desire of working in these issues, but, ne- but maybe their congregations or denominations are not providing all the resources they need. Sometimes the denominations have really great resources, uh, but there's not really all a accompaniment to support the leader who's going to be moving that that issue or that program forward in their own churches. And I think that's one of the gifts that Green Faith provides because um, with ongoing community calls, with ongoing or circle calls for people who want to get together with with others. And the other things that we work uh, in a multi-religious or interfaith Mm -hmm. uh, environment, or at least we encourage that where it is possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, 
and that builds that builds power that uh, makes more things possible because you engage in more and more people from your community. Yeah. And we we again we don't require that that leaders are necessarily um, connected to the congregation. We're hoping that they are because that also makes them accountable to the congregation. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, that's not necessarily a, a requirement. But again, we hope that they will go back to the congregation or will go back to their own community to, to try to make, uh, to act on this uh, environmental justice values that we all grow uh, in as we work together. Um, so it, right, and right now, uh, maybe connecting with the idea of the circles, the other thing that is happening, and, and this is all also to encourage more the formation of more and more circles, uh, even around the world, is that um, while Green Faith worked mostly in New Jersey and New, in New York, and now you know about these other states, um, in this effort of building power, uh, Green Faith uh, just recently launched a Green Faith International Network which is um, uh, founded, co-founded with 14 organizations for, uh, from 14 different uh, countries uh, in the world. And, and together, uh, we are kind of sharing resources, sharing knowledge on how to do organizing in our, in our own different contexts. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue providing in, in the next uh, months and a future into the future, ongoing training, ongoing community building, resources, mm -hmm. knowledge, uh, materials, et cetera, et cetera, no? Where's so we're right in the middle of that moment when this is all happening. Um, here in, in Florida, when I arrived uh, in Tallahassee, for example, mm -hmm. Tallahassee, Florida, uh, there is a group now uh, called the Tallahassee Green Faith Alliance. It's a group of uh, members of uh, 14 or 15 different congregations. Maybe a couple of the people, I should say, are, are lay leaders on their own and not necessarily representing congregations, but they are in Tallahassee, very, very key place in the state of Florida. Um, they, uh, this is a multi-religious group. Uh, they are working on a diversity of issues, a lot of educating themselves about the diversity of issues, but they also working on, I think all, all the congregations have community gardens and they've been supporting each other in that growth of learning how to use their own physical spaces to to grow food and to share food with, with neighbors. Um, and then they had very recently, last a couple of weeks ago, uh, a town hall meeting where they invited local politicians to talk about how to move Tallahassee to 100% renewable city, which I understand that Tallahassee already passed that resolution a year or so ago uh, to become a 100% renewable city by 2050, I think, or 2045. But the idea is that even to get there, it needs the involvement of the community. So they had this town hall meeting to to engage more and more people of faith to realize, okay, we need to do this, all of this together. Mm -hmm. uh, not just because the resolution is passed, it means that everybody's in the game or know what to do about it. Or So, you know, they have that, um, uh, that's just as, as an example of what this particular group in Tallahassee did just, yeah. just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then there's another group that is just beginning in Dunedin, just north of Clearwater in Florida too. Um, and who, uh, who, had, who already had a previous relationships because at the local level, they had an interfaith peace walk every year for the last five years. So they, they decided to take advantage of those relationships that were already there 
and and get together with some of those who are interested in okay now let's talk about not just peace but let's talk about peace with the earth let's talk about environmental issues and see how we can move our city also mm -hmm. to be environmentally minded and congregations and so that's kind of brewing in, in the need and, and just to share one more example mm -hmm. in my latin american part of the work because i'm also in charge of outreach in latin america and puerto rico after hurricane maria um, the Presbytery of San Juan, uh, members of the Presbytery of San Juan realized after experiencing the hurricane, which was one of the worst in, in their generation, decided that, you know what, we need to teach our congregations about climate, climate change, and we need to figure out a way, what can we do to, so this doesn't happen again to us, to our children, or future generations. And so um, the Presbytery of San Juan now is in the process of a process of educating congregations mm -hmm. from pastors to all lay people about mm -hmm. climate issues. Um, and we have, um, a, we have a training on biblical foundations for environmental justice coming up on an Earth Day in April. Mm -hmm. and, and they are helping engage other Presbyterians, Latino Presbyterians all throughout the United States. Uh, and we're forming now a Latina Presbyterian network of Presbyterians in the U.S. Um, in the U.S. So, you know, so all of that, it's kind of, yeah, bringing people together, figure out what our passion is, what are you most interested in terms of, and what can we do together based on that? So that's kind of, that's what's growing in different places, and we're hoping to continue inspiring that in all over the place. <laughs> right, yeah, great. I, um, it, what the circles are doing are, similar to some of the work of the Jubilee Circles and One Earth Jubilee Circles and, and uh, except that you're just doing, you're reaching out far better than what we've been able to do so far. So um, I commend you for all your, your good success with that. Well, um, thank you. It's only possible because of partnering with others and others and others just, mm -hmm. yeah. Otherwise there's no way we could do that with our 15 staff <laughs> mm. that we have as part of Green Faith because it's a partnership is what makes this possible, yeah, at the local and international so, level, yes. Have you been funded, you mentioned the Audubon Society, I guess, gave you, I guess, a significant grant to do some uh, expansion. Uh, yes, that was for those uh, five organizers, uh, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And are, are you funded primarily how through in Green Faith? You know, that's a very good question that I usually have not spent a lot of time in. Mm. And um, I know that, of course, there is individual support. Every year we do a campaign where we invite individuals, funders, uh, to keep to it. I think that's probably 30% of our funding. Uh, I know there's climate-based um, foundations, international groups that have also provided funding for particular events or things we've done. Um, but I have to come back to you with that information because I, I, am, I don't have it in front yeah. of me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, our, we're getting close to the end of our time here, Nettie. Um, so uh, let's just take a moment to reflect on what we've covered and what else you might especially like to tell people. I'm mm -hmm. thinking, I think you've given some suggestions for uh, listeners um, to 
where to kind of try to grab hold if if they're a little unsure of how to maybe they want to start a circle uh i imagine they can reach out to to green faith well they can reach out to jubilee too but let's <laughs> let's stick with green faith for the moment <clears throat> yes uh well if you want to look into the global day of action that we just had last week, uh, sacredpeoplesacredearth.org. I'll repeat, sacredpeoplesacredearth.org. It allows you to see the kind of the scope of um, this new Green Faith International Network forming now and, um, and what some of our, our mission and vision and values are. And then the other thing is Green Faith on webpage, greenfaith.org. Um, you can also find more information there in, in terms of it, including other programs and, and what's coming next. Uh, so recently we have the page in Spanish and, and French as well, and we're very excited about that. And then there's another interesting piece that's coming up. It was in the past, but we, we was kind of put on, on pause for a while, but it's coming back again. And it's also another interesting web page you can look into is uh, Living the Change, livingthechange.net which is a program that helps people of faith discern, you know, how to uh, live uh, climate-friendly lifestyles. And it looks into issues of, you know, transportation, energy use, and, um, and um, um, diet. And so that's another interesting resource that we provide, looking at the personal transformation piece, which is so important. And, and again, just trying to continually provide resources for people of faith to keep growing in, in this, in this uh, uh, realm of yeah. work. Um, I, I'd like to read to you uh, the Green Faith uh, mission and vision. It, it's short, but I think it's very inspiring. If that's well, yeah. okay. Sounds good? Okay. So I'll read the Green Faith mission. Uh, because the earth and all people are sacred and at risk, Green Faith is building a worldwide multi-faith climate and environmental movement. Together, our members create communities to transform ourselves, our spiritual institutions, and society to protect the planet and create a compassionate, loving, and just world. We envision a world transformed in which humanity in all its diversity has developed a shared reverence for life on earth, where religious and in spiritual communities everywhere generate a moral awakening to the sacredness of earth and the dignity of all people. Together, we build resilient, caring communities and economies that meet everyone's needs and protect the planet. The area of conquest, extraction and exploitation has given way to cooperation and community. The good life is one of connectedness mm. with each other and all of nature. It is a world of flourishing life that replaces despair with joy, scarcity with sheer abundance, and privilege with justly distributed power. So that's our vision, and that's what's leading the the work that we're doing today and we hope to continue doing with people that share these values and it includes you too. Great. <laughs> well, I, I would like also, uh, if you would share um, separately, maybe to 
a couple of the articles you've written. We'll put that in our show notes, unless if they're in, maybe they're all in Spanish. I don't know. No, no, no. They're unfortunately they're mostly in English. <laughs> Now that I was looking into that this past week, making a bibliography for for people in Peru, it's like, oh my goodness, most of my stuff is written. So yes, yeah, but I'll be happy to share a couple of things with you. Yes. Well, and the the Ribla magazine would probably be glad to have one of your articles in Spanish for publication. So uh, anyway, um, you share that with us, and I I would like to share also with you uh, a copy of our Jubilee Circles. It's a little mini book, and just to have a continuing relationship about things that are of mutual interest, because what you've shared is, oh my goodness, it speaks so, uh, there's so much convergence in how uh, we are proceeding and how we want the world to be. So this has been a really exciting time for me, Nettie. And uh, though I'm going to stop the this conversation for now it's more like a semicolon i feel and um we'll continue <laughs> thank wonderful you so much. yes and thank you too for the work that you do we're definitely moving together on this so i appreciate your part in the matter yeah thank you you've been listening to Nettie astudio with lee van ham talking about adding environmental actions to our spiritual practices Have you listened to our recent episodes? In January, Grace Dernis on planning economic revitalization with poor people instead of for them. February, economist Barry Shelley on economic assumptions and initiatives for change. In March, Mike Little on the power of money, making all our money accountable to our faith. And in April, arborist Robin Revey on reversing climate crises through informed tree actions. Do listen. You're sure to pick up thoughts you'll value. We certainly did as we created those episodes. You can subscribe to this podcast under the name Simple Living Works at your favorite podcast service. Individual episodes are available at Jubilee's new website, oneearthjubilee.com, and also simplelivingworks.org, window number three. Urge your friends to do the same. You're welcome to subscribe to Simple Living Works' various free publications. For our monthly e-news, send subscribe to simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. For our weekly email that provides brief, daily, simpler living nudges, send nudge to the same address, simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. Please tell us your thoughts on these subjects in this episode. Leave a message on the Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works Facebook pages. Until next time, this is Jerry Iverson of Simple Living Works with co-host Lee Van Ham of Jubilee One Earth Economics, wishing you well as we strive together to bring simpler One Earth living into being for the common good. Can simply live, learn to live simply so others can simply live, learn to live simply so others can simply live, learn to live simply so others.